welcome to the Real Appeal Podcast. This is your host and writer for your entertainment corner, Kelsey Loisel. And with me today is my co-host. Mark Salcedo. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Managing editor and writer at ScreenGeek. Mm. You know, I could hear the water in the background. I know, running right? in the walls <laughs> yeah. as soon as you were going to start talking. I know. He's like, oh, and my, I'm here with my co-host. Water. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? What? Chicken butt. <laughs> There's one thing that does not care about running water. <laughs> What's that? A dead cow. <laughs> Why? There's a dead cow. Mm-hmm. Keep our cattle away. That's why. Mm. We have cattle. Mm-hmm. Keep them away. Mm. So no dead cows. So I should I should return the dead cow to the dead cow uh, emporium that I picked up earlier. It's like when you get a betta fish. Mm-hmm. Okay, if it dies on the first within the first like 24 hours, mm. you could just bring it back and exchange it for a new one. Is that true? Yes. Oh, shit. I was doing it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, if that happened to me, I just like, just cook it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get beta fish, beta fish uh, hors d'oeuvres. Hmm. That's a, a lot of beta fish, though. It had a, it, um. You had one beta fish hors d'oeuvre. <laughs> yeah. It packed a punch. <laughs> I had a beta fish commit suicide. <laughs> Are you no, for real. What happened? Like, how? <laughs> Did they pull out a gun? Like, I don't live anymore. No. <laughs> I had a double tank, mm-hmm. and w- the kit had one fern. Mm-hmm. And you know, they like to hide in ferns. Yeah. So I put it in the tank on one side, and I had two beta fish. Okay. The one on the side of the fern that didn't have the fern kept dying. Mm hmm. So the tank came with a divider. So mm-hmm. I took the divider out so the beta, other beta could have like the rest of the tank. Mm-hmm. It jumped <laughs> out of the tank onto the floor. And, and on like a carpeted floor. Ooh, got everything. Got all, uh-huh. all the fiber. And, and it died. Yeah. Like it was alive when we found it, mm-hmm. but it, it didn't live. It didn't last long. No. It w- was it past the 24-hour window? You couldn't return it? It was, but also at that point I was like... I'm not going to do No more beta fish. Yeah, you're done with that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're back. It's like a week off. Fuck, we needed that week. <laughs> yeah. You really needed that week. <laughs> so, um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Real Appeal. Two E's in real. And you can email us at therealappeal at gmail.com. If you could please review us on iTunes. And then we'll get noticed. And our segments for this week are the news, our recent review, the power of the dog, variety time, what was Thursday night, (laughs) geriatric cinematic of Vertigo, which came out in 1958, that's Hitchcock's film. And Mark, what's the topic? Some people are just assholes. Hmm. I stand by that. I don't think anyone's arguing. No, like, you know, because we always try to have the topic relate somehow. 
to our films that we're going to be reviewing. And definitely for Power of Dog. And kind of in a lot of way in Vertigo as well with Jimmy Stewart's character. Really? Yeah, yeah, but we'll go into it like further. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I, I, I have I, my, my asshole. My asshole. I, I should, I, I stopped <laughs> no, you there. Paused. I know, and I paused. My asshole radar. <laughs> my asshole. <laughs> my asshole radar. Your asshole, is going, what? Nothing. Just know. my asshole. You know, what I'm going to say doesn't even, I don't think it does any better. My asshole radar was going off. <laughs> that doesn't sound any better. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, there's that word where people are like gay radar and they call it gaydar. <laughs> yeah. You should call it ass star. Ass- <laughs> Ass door. <laughs> My ass door is going off. It sounds like wee wee wee. <laughs> it sounds like a like a sex move in a, like a Star Wars universe or something like that. Sounds appropriate. Yeah. Pull it. Give me the ass door. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Mark, what is in the news? Um, there's a lot of things that happened while we were gone, but we're just gonna focus on some more uh, recent news. Uh, looks like Dustin. Sorry, Dustin Daniel Critton uh, inks an overall deal with Marvel Studios and Hulu's Onyx Collective. Um, this is pretty much signifying that we're getting a, Shang- a Shang-Chi tr- uh, sequel, which was like, like there was like no doubt that we were going to get a Shang-Chi tr- uh, sequel. Uh, so the filmmaker has entered an exclusive multi-year overall deal with Disney companies, Marvel and Hulu's Onyx Collective. Um the filmmakers are already developing a few uh, products for Marvel Studios, uh, particularly MCU series for Disney+. Plus. People are already speculating. Oh, I think, I believe, because I actually believe there's more to the story. I think I saw somewhere that there is going to be a Shang-Chi theme, Shang-Chi theme uh, like series. Um, you know how like there's... Uh, there's like the Black Panther to Wakanda Forever, and then there's like a series that's going to be on the like the Doors Melange or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the same thing, but no one really knows what's it going to be exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping we're going to see like the inner workings of like the Ten Rings or some shit like that. Given what happened with the uh, Advocate scene with the Shang Chi show, mm-hmm. the show movie. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when I was doing that for a hot minute? What calling movies shows? Yeah, God, I don't know why I was still talking to you. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know why you're still talking to me. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> um, so this article from Deadline states that uh, Kramer will produce a new production company he is launching with his partner Asher Goldstein, named Family Owned. Um, together, they will, fo- they will focus on building a slate of projects in film and TV and highlight the experience of communities that have traditionally been overlooked by pop culture um so yeah and like i said there's no details on what exactly will be produced pertaining towards like marvel from uh the filmmaker uh i think this is great i i i don't know i want to say we have like a a renaissance but i kind of want to i don't know if i really want to say renaissance but like now given the success of like uh films and tvs that were Films and TV shows that were made by people that aren't white, or the focus, or the focus of the story is on like certain cultural groups. Mm-hmm. It's like a huge boom because it's like, oh yeah, like black people have stories to tell, uh, indigenous people have story to tell, Asian Americans have uh, story to tell, uh, Pacific Islanders and stuff like that. No, they don't. <laughs> have you seen Moana? I have. 
Yeah. They don't have a story to tell. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but I think this is awesome. Like, I'm, I'm totally down for this. I, I really love the fact that. Actually, I've not seen Moana. Have you not seen Moana? Oh, so <laughs> were you, how old were the girls when that movie came out? Because I feel like they were already. They were at the the good age to watch it, I think. Oh, so Especially they. Especially Cadence would have. So they, so they never, like, they I, never played, um, like, the, the You're Welcome or whatever the song is that Dwayne Johnson sings. He goes, hey, you're welcome. What do you mean they haven't played it? Like, no, like I don't the listen, girls. They don't listen to things that are not on their headphones. Like, they could pull it up on Spotify. Well, yeah. But I, they wouldn't make me listen to it because I'll tell them right away, mm-hmm. I'm not listening to that. Put your headphones in. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't do that for Leia. Leia would play, like, songs. Of course, she would play Let It Go from fucking uh, Frozen. She would play some song that was in that cartoon Bolt. Mm. She would play that over and over again. Mostly what I will listen to from them is not music that's coming from a source. Mm-hmm. They forever were singing My Little Pony. Oh, really? Like I'll, I like listening to them sing things mm-hmm. very badly. It's really cute. but <laughs> <laughs> Not that. Not when it's like the 15th time <laughs> under like 10 minutes or it's some like, shit. And they'll go, My Little Pony, My <laughs> Little Pony. And I'm like, okay. That, you know what that reminds me of? That recent episode of Kirby Enthusiasm we watched mm-hmm. where it's... Oh, that's the <laughs> Looney Tunes theme song. <laughs> and how it drove, it, da, 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 da. It drove that nanny crazy. <laughs> she was hilarious. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I get from my story. What do you got? <laughs> I like how we just ended it with not the story. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Tom Holland mm-hmm. um, is going to play Fred Astaire in an upcoming Sony biopic. Um so he did a profile in GQ and Oscar nominated producer Amy Pascal teased. No, wait, I'm sorry. She was in GQ. Mm. Amy Pascal was. And um, she teased that she wanted Holland for the part of a stare in the movie that she's working on. Mm-hmm. And she also wants him to work on another trilogy of Spider-Man films. Um, Mm-hmm. So, she did an interview with Associated Press um, at an event promoting Spider-Man No Way Home. Mm-hmm. She didn't do it. Tom Holland did. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he confirmed that he's going to, you know, da- do bring out his dance moves. Yeah, know? yeah, and play and play uh, Fred Astaire. I actually saw a picture of them side by side. And I think he's a good choice. Yeah, he Fred is one thing Fred Astaire had, other than like his ability to like dance and sing and stuff like that, was he looked v- super duper young. He was like, I think he looks kind of goofy. Yeah, probably. Like Tom Holland also kind of looks goofy. Yeah, but not goofy like haha, you look stupid, but goofy like entertaining goofy. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I. But yeah, I can totally picture this. Uh, Tom Holland playing fred astaire he's he i remember he actually got to start like on uh like on the stage mm. like musicals and stuff like that um i think the role if i remember correctly the role that got him noticed was that he was doing the musical play of uh or he was doing the play of billy elliot have you ever like does that movie bring a bell to you no uh, so billy elliot is pretty much about this kid i it's like set maybe in like the 60s 60s or 70s where it's this kid who lives out in 
either Ireland or Scotland, and he wants to become a dancer. And during that time, the, the idea of that, of a, of a boy dancing was looked as pretty gay, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, he, you know, he the kid was just so into it. He did, he wanted his whole life to be about it. It's actually a really, really good film. Hmm. Um, and that's how Tom Holland got to start with the stage version of that movie. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's in its early stages. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, Tom Holland said, the script came in a week ago. I haven't read it yet. They haven't given it to me. Because <laughs> they probably spoil the shit out of it somehow. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a meme recently where they're like, his face is priceless when, um, I forget which comedian, I can picture his face, but I can't remember the comedian mm-hmm. for the one of the late night talk shows was like, does anyone die in um, Endgame? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, <gasps> his eyes are all wide and yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, he's been known to like, accidentally like slip up and shit but he's been very he's been very good at it lately mm-hmm. like he hasn't spoiled anything about i don't think he's really spoiled anything about no way home people are already like guessing like oh yeah the other spider-man are gonna show up but he hasn't said like oh yeah me and andrew or something like s- some slip up like mm-hmm. nothing like that's come up yeah um so i'm he's, he's a good actor like i I've, I've seen him in other things other than spider-man i remember we reviewed uh cherry uh, for app though it came up for Apple TV. That wasn't good though. Yeah, but his act. I think his acting was good. The movie wasn't that good, but I think his acting was decent. His acting was actually very good. I actually felt very like worried for him. Yeah, yeah. Because they really did his makeup good too. Yeah. So this one, um, yeah, I, like I'll, I'll definitely I'll check this out. You know, well, given how the trailer is, I'll probably check it out. Yep. Um. Yeah, I think it's gonna be good. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to make sure I didn't miss anything in what you put. No, but I no, think we no. covered it. Yeah, yeah, we're good. good. Plus, <laughs> the cats are kind of fighting in the background. It's a little distracting. <laughs> and the water's running in the, the walls again. <laughs> That's why they're fighting, because they're like, what's that noise? Fuck, let's fight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what do we got next? Next, we're going to do our recent review of The Power of the Dog. 25 years since our first run together. 1900 and nothing. It's a long time. What you doing? Getting mixed up with her. You are marvelous, Rose. We were married someday. I wonder what little lady made these. I did, sir. Brother Phil? Open up the gate, let him out. You sure he's not ready? Go on, let him out. It's just a man, Peter. Only another man. The synopsis is charismatic rancher Phil Burbank inspires fear and awe in those around him. When his brother brings home a new wife and her son, Phil torments them until he finds himself exposed to the possibility of love. That is... Oh, wow, that's really there. Holy shit. <laughs> okay. That is not, not a good description of the movie. Mm, kind of. Would you say he's charismatic? 
Yes. No. I think he is, just not towards uh, 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 what's it? Kirsten Dunst. Just not towards her. Mm. Anyway, anyway, sorry. Go on. Go on. Directed and written by Jane Campion, um, based on the novel by Thomas Savage. It stars Benedict Cumberbatch, Jesse uh, Plemons, Cody Smith McPhee, and Kirsten Dunst. Mm, 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 mm. Um, I went into this movie without seeing a trailer. Me, I think I did too. Yeah, I had just heard about it, and everybody, like anybody, who talked about this movie, just like holy shit! Like they, like Netflix probably has like another Oscar contender uh-huh. on, um, uh, in in their chamber. Um. So, just to, just to kind of let you guys know, I had to watch this movie twice. Mm-hmm. Reason why is because I drank too much the first time. And I kind <laughs> of, like, did not remember, like, a good, ch- maybe, like, from the end of the second act into the third act. Um, and I was like, all right, I got to rewatch because I got to give it, like, a fair assessment, right? So I watched it a second time. Uh, maybe like as recent as yesterday, I think. Yeah, yesterday afternoon. Yeah. Uh, so with that being said, I can conf- confidently say that I actually really like this movie. Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of my jam where the movie is like this movie actually kind of reminds me a lot of There Will Be Blood. Um, I didn't watch that. Uh, well. Like whenever I show it to you, you you you'll see the similarities. the the time the I think the error is very close to it. Um, the aesthetic it's very, it looks like it's a very cold world, but not like so cold that there's no emotions. But you can tell in this world it's like tough, especially coming from like uh, the Cumberbatch character, uh, mm-hmm. Phil Burbank, um, which I will say like straight from the top, his his performance is excellent. However, his accent is kind of distracting <laughs> in some scenes. <laughs> it is. I am kind of like, what did he say? <laughs> or sometimes he sounds robotic. Yeah, yeah. He's supposed to have like a Montana accent because the story takes place in Montana. But he sounds like he's like trying to pull from Texas <laughs> yeah. at a couple of things he says. And it, I think this is a very... That's a very British thing where, like, you know, when they when the, a British actor takes or actress takes a uh, an American role, they go for, like, a very, very, like, significant accent of America, like, South or, like... I wouldn't even North. say it's a British thing because I think Americans do it, too, when they want to try to sound, like, Southern. Mm-hmm. It's always Texas. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Or it's like super duper like Kentucky or some shit like mm-hmm. that. Um, or or when Americans do like British accents, they do like posh or like Cockney or something like that. Though, uh, if we're going to talk about the way people talk, mm-hmm. Jesse Plemons, does he just always talk that slow and everything? Because I felt like yeah, he talked that slow of. in that other movie we watched. Oh, I think about ending things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he always kind of played. Well, I don't say always, but like a lot of stuff that I do see him, he kind of do, he kind of does play like this quiet character, like not too, uh, like not too charismatic. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so weird because like he to me he's he'll always be known as like Meth Damon, because <laughs> <laughs> um, especially because like the first time I really got a taste of this guy like in his acting is like a taste of this. Guy. I know, right? <laughs> God, I'm saying all the wrong stuff. I think this guy's acting was in Breaking Bad, where he was like essentially like a sociopath and shit, right? Yeah. So I've always kind of get that from him. 
Um, but like in this case, he's supposed to be more of like the more uh, level-headed brother to to Cumberbatch's character. Mm. Um, but I, I like out of him, I I did enjoy his character as well. I like the fact that his character is very like. Not even secondary. Like, he's kind of like fourth bill in this movie. Cause yeah. Because there's like, there's Cumberbatch, and then there's Dunce, and then there's McPhee, and then there's Plemons. Mm-hmm. And like, when he comes in, he does his thing, and he like steps out. He's like, all right, y'all go do your thing and shit like that, which yeah. I think is really great. Um, so what did, what did you think of the performance? I liked all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I wanted to say about Benedict Cumberbatch was... We should just call him BC and make it simple for ourselves. Every, from now on, mm-hmm. in this podcast, in this episode, if mm-hmm. we say BC, we mean Benedict Cumberbatch, not before Christ. But Benedict Cumberbatch. I totally mean before Christ. <laughs> Fuck you. Okay. Um, he looks like a cowboy. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. For the most part. Mm-hmm. Um. Like, he has such this w- weirdly exotic look, mm-hmm. and I feel like he doesn't really look human most of the time. Oh, yeah, because he's part otter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in this movie, I'm like, okay, this era and this circumstance totally fits yeah. how he looks. Yeah, because he, like... You can you can totally picture him like in those fucking like uh, history history channel programs, you know, how the West was won. And you see pictures of him and you know how they do like like the diaries of him or some shit like that. Like my dear Samantha, you know, the nights are cold and the, the the days are hot and shit like that. And it's just pictures of Benedict Cumberpatch and Sepia Tone just like Looking shirtless. at the camera, yeah, <laughs> yeah, oddly shirtless and very in a very sexy stance or some shit. <laughs> um, I liked Cody Smith McPhee. Oh, that dude is creepy. <laughs> um, I I kind of don't want to get too much into why I liked him until we get into the the spoiler section. Mm-hmm. Kirsten Dunst kind of threw me a little bit because mm. I was like, for a second, I didn't know that it was her. Yeah. And then I saw her like at a certain angle and I'm like, oh, that's Kirsten Dunst. What the fuck? Yeah. Um, she it, it's funny because like I, I grew up watching uh, it's Kristen, right? I've always felt like I'm going to say Kirsten. It is Kirsten. Oh, Kirsten. Okay, I feel like uh, I've grown. I've grown watching. Grown up watching Kirsten Dunst's performance and stuff like that, and it, I felt like she kind of disappeared for a while. Uh huh. Or she was in very like little things, like very small roles, or kind of like indie films stuff like that. And then her showing up like this, I'm like, holy shit! Like that's her. Like, you know, not like, I'm not. I'm not shitting on her look or anything, but I'm just like, oh, like age is starting to hit her. But it's kind of coming out in a perfect way where like you, you're. When she came out first, like as an actress, um, she looked like she was going to be a child forever. Yeah, and like you got a sense that like people were kind of like, I mean, because we got to admit, like how Hollywood is, is when it comes to like a, a woman's performance, the first thing people think about like how good they look, mm-hmm. you know. And now with her, she doesn't really. She's she's you can tell she's gotten to a point in her life where she's like, I don't need to focus on that. I don't need to focus on looking super good. I can just act now. Right. And she does like a great performance. And be believable too oh, yeah, because yeah. you know, she's not like 
Ange- Angelina Jolie mm-hmm. and at her age is just kind of what's uh, distracting and everything. Like she doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. I keep forgetting that the Mephi cat is, was in those X-Men movies. I didn't watch them. Yeah, you did. Did I? We Dark Phoenix. <laughs> he plays Nightcrawler, the guy who teleports. Was he five years old? No, it's 2019. So seven. <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe nine. <laughs> no, he because I, I, because I, I purged those movies out of my head so badly. I know. I, I, I keep forgetting. Like, oh yeah, fuck. He played Nightcrawler. I only oh, remember what the one chick looked like. Kind which, of. Which chick? The blonde. Oh, um, uh, uh. Oh, why, why am I forgetting her name? Uh, I call. A, that's I Sophia call Turner. Great value something but i can't remember the other girl's Great name value Bri- brian Dys- dallas howard no she made me think of uh of ellen's ex-wife oh portia de rossi no her ex ellen's yeah oh uh and anna something yeah it was in something cathaway no cathaway. <laughs> um it was a weird name okay so anyway mm. i like the performances i think the cinematography was amazing yeah mm-hmm. like it was in no way similar at all to lamb okay jessica chastain she was the blonde in x-men dark phoenix okay the alien yeah jessica chastain and she is known as great value bryce Dallas howard or the other way around i know but because of her blonde hair and how weird she looked mm. it made me think of ellen's ex-wife Gotcha. Um. Anyways, it the cinematography was in no way similar to Lamb, mm-hmm. but it kind of gave me the same feel in some sense. And Hache. Hache. There you go. Okay, go on. Sorry. I don't know if you agree with the cinematography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking at. I'm actually trying to find that the cinematographer right now. Um. Yeah, that cinematography is beautiful. It actually it reminded me of of. It kind of reminded me of First Cow. The A twenty four film, but on a grander scale, where we get like these wide, beautiful, like establishing shots, yeah, of of the countryside. It also had a boat in it for about ten minutes in the beginning. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's <laughs> just funny. Uh, Ari Wagner. Wagner. Oh, Ari. Sorry, A R I. Wagner. 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 Uh, I'm trying to see what else. But I was saying it looked like lamb to me, not look like it, but it made me feel. I'm, I keep repeating myself because you're totally just. Looking. No, no, I'm I'm listening. Yeah, you said. <laughs> what did you say? No, I'm joking. You said it looked like lamb, and it, I, I, not, I, it didn't look like it, but it kind of gave me the feel. It wasn't as mm-hmm. cold as lamb, but it was still like big. Yeah, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Um, because like now that you mentioned it, I do see the similarities in lamb. Like it's almost like uh, it's almost like um. Uh, you can almost kind of say it's a mirror image, except the color is just different. Mm-hmm. Like one is a more sunny, one is a more cold area. Like because it was, uh, if I remember correctly, Lamb was shot in Iceland. So, but you get like these beautiful like landscape shots, these beautiful establishing shots, these beautiful outdoor shots. You mm-hmm. know, not even just the the wide shots, but even like the close ups, like certain scenes, like in a river and stuff like that. In uh, the Power of the Dog, they just like, oh, that looks so comfortable. Like, yeah. I just want to hang out over there. Exactly. You know. You gotta, <laughs> You know, rustle up some cattle and all that shit. Mm. Um, so with that being said, what did you think of, well, I'll just 
put them up together, but the directing and the writing from Jane, uh, is it Campion? Campion? Campion. Campion. Um, I have to say that I would be hard-pressed to find anything wrong with either. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the type of writing and the type of directing that goes perfectly together mm-hmm. where um, the director could give you mm-hmm. the story and beat you over the head with it or they could draw it out a little bit and let you watch and see how it unfolds and kind of wonder at the end certain motives and if there even was a motive or was it you know an accident or whatever mm-hmm. yeah like this this like and that's like my fate that's my jam yeah like uh jane campion's uh like she she really like you get a sense that she really was like uh this was like a truly like like she surely had a vision of what she wanted but she was definitely open up for collaboration with um with uh with the with the actors and actresses mm-hmm. at the same time you know um there's like but if i remember correctly it's like that's not that much dialogue even at the beginning of the movie if i remember that correctly right no, there's a lot of dialogue. No, like maybe like the first like five or ten minutes. I'm probably remembering it differently or something like that. But I felt like there wasn't a whole lot of dialogue in the first five to, like five to ten minutes. And it's just like uh, like the way how she's shooting it, she's letting you like absorb everything. You know, she's not trying to do anything like super flashy. She's like she's doing this thing that I love that I feel like not enough directors do, mm-hmm. which is you know it depends on the director. But like I feel like not enough directors is just letting the camera just sit and just like take everything in i don't i don't know i thought that we met first i thought jesse plemons Mm -hmm. was narrating talking about his mother and taking care of her Mm -hmm. oh no that was oh yeah right you're right no that wasn't plemons that was the mcphee character i mean sorry the uh, actor he was referring to uh oh yeah and Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah yeah okay so he was um narrating and then after that i feel like you get straight into benedict cumberbatch talking to his brother mm-hmm. and and like the whole dinner scene mm, okay okay yeah yeah i guess i, I guess I, the way how i just viewed i guess like i said I, I was just so just brought into like what i was watching that it was just kind of like it's almost sometimes on. like i think i think i get where you're coming from like it's even though there's dialogue it doesn't feel like you're listening to people it feels like you're watching them Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and you're seeing them in their environment and it's almost mm. like reading a book yeah where okay. you start to not see the words anymore you just see images in your head yeah um maybe that's what it was like for you yeah I, yeah that's that's the best way to describe what i was what i was getting at yeah yeah don't Cause, ever because i'm awesome yeah don't ever do that again do what describe what i'm trying to get at and 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 describe it in the best way that i can't don't ever do that why not because that proves you're better than me. I am. Fuck. Fine. Your computer is too. I know. My computer's like, stop it. <laughs> With the fan going on. I need a new computer. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> um, all right. So do you want to hop into the uh, trailers? Yeah. No, trailers. I'm sorry. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So we're going to hop into the spoilers section for The Power of the Dog. We're going to talk about in great lengths. You know, that old spiel I do. Um... So if you folks don't want to be spoiled, here's your spoiler bumper right about now.
<laughs> All I heard was your computer. I know. It's so funny. It's like... <laughs> That's because you looked up who's the cinematographer, and it's like, fuck. I know. My computer's <laughs> like, are you on the internet again? God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, the um, Cody Smith McPhee uh, performance. Smith. 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 Okay, Smith. What did you think of this? Because you, you had you had some thoughts. Did I? Yeah, you didn't want to get. You didn't want to talk about it. You it always told fun. me, you know, that I was thoughtless and nothing in between That's my ears. That's not me. That's not me. Oh yeah, it was my mom. I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> yeah. I like his performance. I think. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Let me let me get. Benedict Cumberbatch was actually my favorite performer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cody Smith McPhee's character was my favorite. Mm, okay. Um. So they're very like close. Mm. As far as like, I can't separate the two. And the reason why I like Cody Smith McPhee so much mm-hmm. is because you follow him mm-hmm. very sympathetically. Yeah. And if you pay attention, mm. you start to realize that he's actually very dangerous because he's so goddamn smart and able this, to outwit anybody. Yeah. This. Yeah. And it's it, like I said, this goes into the performance and it goes into the writing and the direction like you in this in this movie you start seeing that like this kid is a fucking sociopath like he could kill you and you wouldn't even know it was him that did it well if you're dead you wouldn't know well i'm sorry <laughs> well yeah you obviously wouldn't know god sorry he could kill you and you wouldn't even know it. i'm so rep- i'm just repeating myself fuck it why you not you wouldn't see it coming yeah that too let's go with that <laughs> Sorry, I'm not trying to make you look dumb, no, but it was no, just I know, funny. I know, I know. It's been a while, okay. We've had a long week. We've had a long weeks. week. I. It's a, This is finals week. My, I've been smashing my head against the fucking wall getting all my finals Maybe done. Maybe that's why you can't talk right. You probably hit your head too many times. I know. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, to- I, I totally agree with that thought of, 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 the, of the Peter Gordon character. Um he reminds me a lot of uh, Ezra, Mil- Ezra Miller's performance in We Have to Talk About Kevin, where his character is a sociopath. But in that movie, it's obvious that something is wrong with this character. Gotcha. Right? Where in, in, in The Power of the Dog, you really sympathize with him, especially because like, from the jump, you get this monster that is Cumberbatch's character. Mm-hmm. Um, so And he's like, how he treats the character, how he treats, uh, how Bill... Burbank treats Peter Gordon. But also, like, Peter Gordon mm-hmm. is sympathetic because he's non-confrontational. Mm-hmm. And he's making paper flowers. He's helping his mother. Mm-hmm. He's, like, getting made fun of. He's crying. Yeah. Like, all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think, like, the first, like, inkling of, like, oh, this dude's kind of fucked up is the uh, the rabbit dissection scene. I know, but I feel like they did such a good job hiding that mm-hmm. in the possibility that he was on the spectrum. Yeah, you but know, like, like like he wants to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. He's obviously socially awkward. Mm-hmm. 
So why wouldn't he do something like that? Like he didn't do it dangerously. Like, mm-hmm. oh, he's just gonna straight up murder someone next. Mm-hmm. But definitely like, okay, well he doesn't understand like other people would be How uncomfortable the, uh, with that. Yeah, but it's but it's it, it's it, but I'm I'm mainly focusing. I mean the dissection scene, but also what led up to that, where like he gets this rabbit and he gives it to his mom. Mm-hmm. And you take it as like, oh, he's got this pretty rabbit for his mom because like he knows that his mother's like going through some shit and maybe a, a rabbit would feel nice. And then next scene, nope, just gonna have to dissect it. Like, whoa, like what the fuck? You know, that kind of like head turn thing caught me off guard. It did, and then also though the his mother didn't get very upset about that. Yeah, so no. it's almost like on yeah. brand for him, I think. No, no, I'm just, I'm, yeah, it's the thing. I'm not, I'm not saying this is like a negative. It's just a head turn of like, wait, I have to like really, I have to readjust myself like right now because that's <laughs> such an extreme of him mm-hmm. like, oh, pretty rabbit, and the next thing, let me see, was this the liver? This is the intestines? All right, you know. So let me ask you though. Mm-hmm. And this is why I'm saying they nestled that really well because mm. it was a head turn. Mm. But what did you think about it after? Like once they were outside and they were gonna play mm. badminton or whatever or what tennis, whatever they were gonna play, mm-hmm. and they're all okay with each other. Yeah. What did your brain do about the previous scene? <sighs> kind of forgot it, and like not in, not in a negative way of like. I don't know. I guess because I, I, I because because I did look at it of like okay, he because like he did say. I mean, he wasn't like creepily looking over it. Like you can tell he was actually like dissecting it to like learn it and everything, like learn mm-hmm. the functions and everything. So it kind of just went like okay, that's kind of fucked up what you did. Like as in like here's mom, here's a rabbit, and then I'm gonna take it away and gut it and everything. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 I felt it was uh, I. I felt to justify that scene. Like, okay, okay, that all right, that's fine. So your brain explained it away. It explained it away, but like I said, and I think it just goes into the writing. I'm just like, okay, that's fine because he's a he's trying to be a doctor. He's that's a, what I was saying. Yeah, they yeah. nestled that so well. Yeah. Like that you think he might just be a little A little off. A little off. Yeah. Maybe just socially awkward, not mm. understanding like social cues and all that. Mm-hmm. But then as the story progresses, you maybe understand that's not true at all. Yeah. He understands. Agree. Yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> I feel like you're like, come on, hurry up. Get to the end of this. No, no, Whatever no, you're no, saying. no, 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 no. We're just going to move to another t- something. Another topic? Br- yeah, something I want to bring up. Um, so one of, the, one of the things I really like of the, of the direction is the perspective it changes within the movie. Mm-hmm. Like we get like we get the the Burbank the Bill, Phil Burbank perspective, and we follow him, and then we get um, Rose Gordon perspective, the Kirsten Dunst uh, character, and then we get to the Cody Smith McPhee character, the Peter Gordon, and then we get back to like the Cumberbatch, and it's so like swiftly done. We it did is- George Burbank for a little bit too. Did we really? I, that's the thing. Like, I don't really get a sense of his perspective other than like a little. Oh, you're right. Like a little bit after the beginning, right? Like it kind of jumped from him from uh, Cumberbatch to Clemens, right? And it, but I felt like we were only in there like a little bit, and I think that was on purpose because like there was there's this there's this circle of confrontation mm-hmm. that the movie wanted to focus on, right? And I think the way how uh, Jane Champion, um, Jane Campion, Campion, thank you. 
directed it was like so fucking swiftly so good like and any other like a less comparable director would have just uh, they would have to explain it away or not done it well but it's like okay i can see why we're doing this perspective now we're, and going from that perspective we get a better understanding of like the struggles like especially the rose gordon character mm-hmm. how she's essentially becoming a full-blown alcoholic yep. because dealing with the stress and there's that really really great shot where uh she is being introduced to like uh george burbank characters like parents and like the governor mm-hmm. and like they're like talking to each other and everything but she's just standing there and the camera's just like on her mm-hmm. and you can just feel all that awkwardness of just like i don't know what i'm doing in this situation <laughs> what do i do with my hands yeah it kind of like it kind of i like i i wasn't there it kind of but that's that's how i pictured um how some of your marriage was with with your ex-husband mm-hmm. of you're kind of just like i don't know what to do like right now yeah yeah <laughs> but i would say that i i didn't get that from him <laughs> <laughs> definitely got that from my childhood oh, and okay. it just continued mm-hmm. and you still see me doing it today yeah but, it, but, you <laughs> but don't, it's a lot less yeah you don't look as like sad or die or like oh man that are you sure a- you tell me i do all the time no no i say when you do look dire you look great okay yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> i'm like what you, what you do with your hair you look awesome and he's like everything's not so good and like you look amazing. Keep that up. <laughs> your eyes get really bright. <laughs> they look really piercing right now. I know. Now. Your hair gets redder. <laughs> uh, so what did, what did you think of... You were like, you're glowing because I'm crying. <laughs> Keep that up. <laughs> Keep that glow going. Um, okay, so I think the, the, the best part of this movie is when we are just focusing on the Burbank Phil Burbank and Peter Gordon's character like their relationship mm-hmm. because this is when you start really getting to like each each character's head especially like the Cumberbatch character mm-hmm. really start getting to his head and like his 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 uh fascination with uh Bronco Henry <laughs> that he mentions like 50 times in this movie yes <laughs> I agree with that mm-hmm. oddly mm-hmm. I want to share with you a scene that sticks out of my head mm. only because it kind of weirded me out. And I don't know if it really should have, but it did. Mm. Remember when they're all outside on the grass under this tree mm-hmm. and uh, like it's Benedict Cumberbatch and all his guys on the horses mm-hmm. And they're kind of like jeering at him or whatever. Like, oh, look, the fucking weirdo's coming or whatever, oh, okay. right? Yeah, yeah. And he walks through them. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that scene. And he yeah. walks up to the tree and he just kind of looks up and there's a bird and then he walks back through them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, weirdly, mm-hmm. um, like uncomfortable from just that. Really? Yes. Wow, okay. <laughs> can, can you go in a little further detail why you felt that way? Because there's like a little bit of why did he do that? Mm-hmm. Like, like you almost don't understand how his mind works. And it, it like, <laughs> it's so something so simple, mm-hmm. but because your mind can't work it out, it starts to turn kind of sinister and you don't know why. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm making any no, sense. No, yeah, no, yeah, I get you, I get you. 
like, did he look at that bird? Because he's like, oh, I'm going to catch a bird because I want to dissect it. Mm-hmm. Or did he walk through those guys and intentionally do this awkward thing of looking up at a bird mm-hmm. and then walking back through them two seconds later? I will say it's the second one, and I'll add to it. I think this is when you start seeing his plan being put into order. Mm-hmm. That he starts like trying to figure out how can I essentially uh kill phil burbank like how can i how can you know it's almost like it's it's weird because how it's shot because it's almost like it's not an, an obvious way how it's shot but i feel like it's almost shot like a runway because of how the tents are like to the side mm-hmm. and then where the guys are on the side and then the middle is almost like a runway yep like him like not necessarily strutting but like almost like advertising mm-hmm. you know and then he happens to turn around and he knows he's he got uh phil burbank's attention and he brings him over and stuff like that yeah and that and it works because he starts like befriending him and shit like that so mm-hmm. it, it feels like it feels like he he did that on purpose because he was like i won't get this guy's attention i don't want to like fuck with him in, a, in my <laughs> own way you know that shit was like put that shit i feel like that was all put together mm-hmm. probably at the beginning when he burned those flowers really yeah i think it started that fucking early <laughs> Maybe like maybe not in an extreme degree. I think it got extreme where he starts seeing his his sister becoming like an alcoholic. Um, that's when he like was like, "All right, I got to figure out something." And then he found it. He found the opportunity with the bird. And he was like, "All right, this is it. I'm gonna do it here." <laughs> I don't think he found the opportunity with the bird. I think mm-hmm. if there was no bird in the tree, he mm-hmm. would have walked over and looked up randomly anyway uh, yeah yeah the, the bird the bird was just there as a misdirection for like audience members like oh he's looking at the bird that's of course he would he's trying to figure out how it works or could, something. You, could you imagine watching this movie with cameron oh my god camera would never get any of it she'd be like that's a pretty bird and then like 15 minutes later what happened to that bird <laughs> why did he why did he kill that rabbit? I know, right? They could have healed him. They could have done something. You know, something they, d- like. they could have at least made a stew out of him. I don't even think she would have said that. No. no. <laughs> I would have taken care of him. <laughs> um, so that that the relationship between the two, it's this is where I go. We're like the synopsis where it says Phil torments until he finds himself exposed to the possibility of love. Mm-hmm. That's where I think the synopsis comes in. The possibility of love, because mm-hmm. you can tell, like they they don't they don't explicitly explicitly say it, but something happened between Phil Burbank and his idol Bronco Henry. Mm-hmm. Like there's that part where he's making the raw hide and stuff like that, and Peter Gordon is like asking him about like oh no like Bill, Phil Burbank tells him like oh there was a time like I almost died but Bronco Henry saved me we're cold we saw we slept next to each other like body to body keep ourselves warm and he was like. Were you guys naked? He was like, yeah. No, no, he doesn't even say yeah. He says, were you guys naked? And he just doesn't answer the question. Which is like, <laughs> yeah, they slept naked. Yeah. So it probably went a little bit further Yeah. than that. Um, and he saw, I feel like he saw his, he saw the Peter Gordon character as like, oh, I will be the Bronco Henry. And, mm-hmm. that he, and he can be the Phil Burbank in this situation. Yep. And here's where Peter Gordon just knows it. <laughs> fucks with him. <laughs> This movie's so demented and fucked up. I fucking love it. <laughs> I know. That's what I like. Um, so I know you didn't catch it the first time, mm-hmm. but maybe you did the second time. Okay, guess what? 
The dead cow? Oh, yeah, yeah. I totally caught it. Yeah, because I wasn't drunk. <laughs> oh, yeah, I totally caught it. Uh, when, he, when I saw him uh, cutting up the rawhide and stuff like that, the, the, the dead uh, cattle. Uh-huh. And then, like, oh, it's, 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 like, oh, that part where he's like, oh, I have, I have some rawhide. He's like, why you have rawhide? You know, he's like, oh, it's, I wanted to be like you. When he said that, I'm like, ooh, this is going to be so bad. <laughs> and it, 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 was, it was made even worse. When he's he, pandering and that's not like him. Mm-hmm. And it's made even worse when, like, you see his hands, like, Cumberbatch's hands go into the water with the raw, with the infected rawhide and his hands all fucked up and stuff. Uh, oh, here we go. This is what I talk about, how, how a director just lets the camera sit there and just absorb all that shit. Mm. Now it's just like, ugh, ew, oh, girl, it's just, ugh, <laughs> so uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite part. With, with the whole rawhide? Like that him? whole reveal? Mm-hmm. Because I knew he was, like, cutting up that cow. I just figured, mm. because his M.O., he just dissects things because he wants to be a doctor. Yeah, curiosity kind of thing. Yeah. So, like, not one time did we think that he just grabbed the skin off of it and turned it into rawhide. Yeah. We just thought he was just dissecting the cow. But yeah. no, he's fucking saved that rawhide. Yeah, it's all his opportunity. And then, so it was funny because I remember watching it the first time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, when he was sick. Mm-hmm. And they were, all of a sudden he was dead. And mm-hmm. they're like, he it was anthrax. And that's when I was like, oh, <laughs> what? And <laughs> yeah. you're like, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> I remember like I remember the movie ending and I was like oh what the fuck but it was more like oh it just ended holy shit yeah you're like oh why did it end that was fast but I, like I said, after like rewatching it I fully appreciate it especially like that part where where um, where uh, where what was his name Peter Gordon has the has the he has a rod, the rod, rod high what's it called like rope or whatever it is yeah he's trying to turn it into rope yeah, but like that scene where like Peter Gordon's like sitting at the bed and mm. he has the rope, mm. but he's wearing gloves this time. Uh-huh. It's, and he puts it under his bed like, this is a memento. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my fucking God, you psycho. <laughs> this is a great fucking movie. Like, I would be so surprised if none of these people were nominated for Oscars. Yeah, they, I would be too. I like, I'm talking about... Cumberbatch, uh, McPhee, and Dunst. And not so much Plemons, because you know, he, he's all right. He's not in it as much, but... I don't... Okay, so here's the thing. If we're mm-hmm. going to talk about nominations for things. Mm-hmm. Because Benedict Cumberbatch was the bigger personality and the, the person that people were more focused on, mm-hmm. I think he would end up with nominations. I'm, I'm not so sure Cody Smith McPhee would. Really? Okay. Because he's great, mm-hmm. but... Because of how his character is, he's emotionless a lot of the time. Mm, okay, I see that. And so it's harder to want to give someone an award when they're playing that type of character. I get you. I get you. I can see that. So um, I would say writing, directing, and cinematography and Benedict mm-hmm. Cumberbatch. Okay, so I, I will argue for, for McPhee. I mean, sorry, it's McFay. McFay. Um, it's McFay? Is it McPhee? No, it's McPhee. McPhee. Okay, thank you. I will argue for McPhee because his This is why I think, he, if if not for best, I, at least for supporting, um, because his character has to 
has to carry something with him that he looks innocent, but something sinister is there. And like, I feel like as the movie progresses, it comes off. He starts off as very innocent and very seem like easily pushed and stuff like that. Like when he cries about the flowers being burned and everything. But you see this progression of him just becoming more and more sinister. The way how he kind of acts and carries himself mm-hmm. up until the point where like they're they're doing the rawhide together and like they're like seductively like sharing a cigarette. Uh-huh. And his character is his like posture has changed he's more like upright he's like lean back he's like looking at cumberbatch like oh yeah you want this like kind of kind of look and i think that progression i think it's worthy of like accolades for for that performance okay i i agree that it's worthy Mm -hmm. i just kind of feel like it's not the shiny penny well i mean that's the neck that's the bad thing you always say like shiny penny is bad i know for me Mm. and for us and Mm. for most critics oh okay shiny penny is bad Mm. but a lot of time that's what gets the win i gotcha i gotcha that's why i'm saying that gotcha gotcha um but yeah great movie uh you want anything else or want to go ahead and jump off to the next segment or or um girl from oh yeah homegirl from uh Last night in Soho. Last night in Soho is, has a has a small role as like a maid or like a cook or something like that. Yeah, she's and like a cook. Yeah, she. Um, let me look up the actress's name. But it's funny because you don't really get the accent from her. Oh yeah, you don't. I you think don't she hear. sounds a little more realistic in tone with an American accent. Uh, Thomasin McKenzie. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it, I I didn't notice her until I was sober and watched this movie. I was like, oh hell. Yeah, this is like, there she is. You she, noticed her when you were drinking, though. Well, completely. Obviously, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, remember the times where we've watched movies and you're like, God, I will, I'm sad right now. Like, you get really depressed when you watch a good movie because you know you're not going to get to watch it again and have the same reaction. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is drink. You're right. You should go to every movie. It just smashed. <laughs> yeah, because then if you know it's good, you're like, all right, I can rewatch it. And it'll mm. be the first time again. <laughs> okay, but what if it's like a bad movie, and then I have to rewatch it? You wouldn't have to rewatch it. Yeah, but I have to like give it a fair assessment, especially if we're gonna do it for the pod. No. Okay, <laughs> I like I like your answer. No. Well, the head tilt. Yeah, the head no. tilt. <laughs> no. <laughs> um. All right. So, what do we got next? Next, we are going to do our variety time. <laughs> did something on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, it involved more drinking, though. <laughs> <laughs> but in a, in a very fun way. In a fun way, yeah. Uh, Mark had... Will we say what was Thursday night is because we couldn't believe that we actually got to go to something like this? Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark was offered um, a press screening... Well, it wasn't even a press screening, right? It was something no. Else. It was a premiere. A premiere. It was actually is an actual premiere. I like I have attended. Kelsey and I have attended to like certain premieres, like LA premieres and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I believe this was like a world premiere. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Amazon, Amazon, Amazon Studios has this new movie coming out called Encounter, starring Riz Ahmed and Octavia Spencer. Um, so I got I got an invite to this premiere, and there was an after party. Now I've been doing film journalism for a while. I've actually never gone to an after party, um, 
because like I'm involved. But I'm not super like involved in like going to premieres. My thing is and like it also kind of sounds a little like pretentious. Yeah, that and like most of the screenings I go to, they're like press screenings now, or yeah. like oh, there's a there's an early screening here. You know, we'll just give you a pass, whatever. But this was a bit different because this was like more of a bigger thing. And it was at the director's guild. Yeah, the DGA building. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this is not, I mean, we're not going to talk about the movie in particular, other than that it's meh at best. Um, I feel like Kelsey was just like, no, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. Well, I, I like the movie. Mm-hmm. I know it has its problems, yeah. but I, I did like the movie, mm-hmm. and I feel like the majority of people watching it would enjoy it. You're right. Not critics, per se. <laughs> yeah, because the critics had a lot <laughs> to say while we were at the after party. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, we get invited to this after party. Mine is like a Thursday. Like, Kelsey has work the next day. I have nothing the next day. So I was like, fuck it. You want to go to the after party? She's like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. So we go to the after party. I'm a glutton for punishment. Yes. Uh, it was at the Thompson Hotel uh, on the rooftop. And I remember like we us walking in. I was like, oh, this just looks nice. It's a nice-ass hotel. Hell yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. And we go in, top floor. It's already popping. Mm-hmm. There's people like hanging around talking and everything like that. Of course, the first thing Kelsey and I see is the bar. Yep. Really. And it's free drinks. <sighs> that... Now that's a problem with me. That's a huge problem with me. I because I, I remember, I remember saying, I remember saying to Kelsey like, "Oh, we're probably gonna get free drinks because it's a it's an Amazon studio studios party. Like they got the fucking money to spare." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and they had free drinks and um, the and it's funny because they had like four drinks on a menu. Yeah, and so the first drinks we got were like. It, on the menu yeah and they were like they were like movie theme kind like for the movie encounter because i remember seeing like amazon original encounter and like some of the names kind of felt like it was like spacey themed or whatever like, like summer spritzer no there was like there was one that you got and it just reminded me of like it was called summer spritzer was it summer spritzer yeah all right well my stank shit never mind <laughs> um and then the dude, of course, I saw my favorite. I saw my favorite wait, drink. Wait, no, for oh, you drink. Sorry, yeah. I thought you were gonna bring up the one guy, but we talked to one of the actors first. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rory Coogan, Corgan. Um, he is. I'm gonna say Rory Culkin. <laughs> no, um, he has been in a ton of stuff. Um, his one of his most famous roles is uh, one of the stoners from uh, Days of Confused. Cat's uh, name is Rory. Oh, C O C H R A N E. What? Cochran? Cochran. There you go. Rory Cochran. Um, he also was in uh, Scanner Darkly, right? He was in Scanner Darkly. And I've seen, I, like I said, I, I, I saw him. I was like, oh, it's a dude from Scanner Darkly and <laughs> Days of Confusion. My, my, he's done a ton of stuff, mm-hmm. right? But I'm just like, oh, this dude, right? He's like standing there, like, go over. I'm like, hey, man, I've seen a bunch of other things, but love you in Scanner Darkly. Love you as Frank. Scanner Darky. Scanner Darky. <laughs> How racist of you. <laughs> Look, I wasn't saying anything, okay? You're the one who brought it up. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I forgot. He was in CSI, too. Holy shit. He was on CSI for a minute. Anyway, his character is Frank. Charles. Oh, Frick. Charles Frick. 
And I'm like, oh, you do it. I loved you in Scanner Darkly. You were great as Frick. Like, you were like trippy as shit and everything. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, And he's like, this movie's pretty good too, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, I'm like, yeah, that's yeah, good. I'm lying. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and then he points this out. He was like, yeah, Scanner Darkly had bugs. We have bugs in this movie. I was like, holy shit, you're right. Fuck. And I, and I was going to be like, you should make it a trilogy with this. But. He he started like, he was like with his like, I'm assuming his girlfriend or wife whatever and like started walking away. We're like, all right, have fun. Bye. Bye. He had kind of a, a way about him that he was like, it almost seemed like he was obligated to be there. Yeah, this dude's been acting for years. Like he sound he seems like a homebody or he'd rather hang out with a small group of friends. Yeah, he's probably like has seen enough and done enough like partying that he's like oh, I just want to do my thing and then like go home or something yeah. like that. Um. And then, so, like, the drinks started coming. And the one thing I was just like, oh, fuck yeah, my favorite drink is available. It's Kettle One. Just That's it, vodka. Favorite drink. <laughs> what do you want to drink, Mark? You got vodka? Cool. Put some ice on it. There, done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's it. I'm a, I'm a simple man. Simple pleasures. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and we, like, walked around the party. It was a night. It was f- f- later in the night. Like, after we were enjoying it and stuff like that, I, those, those two comedians, they were like, yeah, it's not part of that really popping. It was better, like, last week with this. And my and my mind was like, I don't know. I think this part is kind of fun, but, like, whatever. Like, you know, that's your fucking opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I had a moment that kind of was like, wow, this is full circle right now, where I saw um, film journalist Chris Gore. And I've been watching Chris Gore. I've been following Chris Gore since I've seen him on, since he was on Attack of the Show on G4 TV. And it was a trip to see him because I had met him about 2013 at Mm -hmm. WonderCon and took a picture with him. And, you know, he was like, you know, like whatever. And I I went up to him and I said, hey, man, um, this is a picture of you and me like in 2013 at at one of the cons. He's like, holy shit. And I was just like, I think it's fucking funny seeing you here and like how I was a fan. And now I'm like a film journalist and like I'm here with you now, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, Kelsey and myself, we hung out with him and his, oh, daughter. his daughter. I really like her. His daughter was like really sweet. I like you. You latched on to her because y'all were just like buzzing buddies like yeah, right we- there. <laughs> Uh, but well, you say buzzing buddies, but she doesn't drink. No, uh, no, bosom buddies. Oh, bosom buddies. Yeah, I have no idea what that means. Uh, I know people use it that way, but I'm like, uh, bosom is like boobs. It well, there there's a show that had Tom Hanks. It was one of his first like, per, uh, like acting jobs, and it's called like bosom buddies. I also know that well, I know that phrase from Anne of Green Gables. Oh, okay. <laughs> no idea what that is. Okay. <laughs> Should I know what that is? I'm sure you would say that it's a very white thing of me to know. What's it? What's it again? Anne of Green Gables. Anne of Green Gables. Yeah, it's about a girl who this f- older farming couple. They go to adopt a child, and they were told they were going to pick up a son, and they end up with a daughter because they need someone to help them around the farm. Mm-hmm. She has this bright red hair. Ah. And she has a lot of like spirit and spunk and stuff. She it, it gets her in trouble a lot, and like her her adoptive mother fucking hates her. So did you watch this a lot growing up? Yeah. Sometimes you pull something completely out, out of obscurity. I'm like, where the fuck is this from? <laughs> Look, I was living with my dad and my stepmother, and they wouldn't let me watch regular shit. <laughs> That's it, well, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, Kelsey and I, we hung out with Chris Gore for a bit, which was which was really fun. Chris Gore and his daughter, because um, we were just like cracking up and just like talking about the movie and like a bunch. We were talking so many different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and Kelsey told him her her thoughts on Willy Wonka, and he agreed with me. <laughs> Uh, for you folks who haven't listened to that Willy Wonka episode, you should. Kelsey goes in it hard about how Willy Wonka is really like a fucking psychopath. <laughs> it's so funny because you refused to even acknowledge that argument. Mm. And when I said it to Chris Gore, mm. he's like, oh, yeah, like, that's a thing. He's And he ended up um, comparing Willy Wonka to Pinhead. Yeah, I ended up doing that, yeah. No, I thought it was him. No, I told him. I said, like, because he, he was like, oh, yeah, da, da. and I said, like, yeah, I, I feel like Pinhead and Willy Wonka are basically the same person because they're torturing Oh, yeah, their... and he was like, yeah. He was like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, like I said, we were hanging out with him for a while. We're drinking. <sighs> like I said, and it was it was so weird. Cause... We thought it was going to be a stuffy-ass thing that nobody was going to be there. And we yeah. ended up drinking too much. Yeah, it got to the point where, like, Kelsey and I like Kelsey and I are out. We're, like, just talking about, the like, the party. And I'm like, who the fuck let us in? Like, I feel like we shouldn't be at this fucking party. Like, this is kind of ridiculous. And then, like I said, like, there was, like, because, like, the way how it was set up is, like, when you walk in, you walk out of the elevator hallway and into the party. And there's a there's a bar there. Mm-hmm. fully stocked bar it got to the point where the guy was like you can order whatever you want like you don't have to order off the menu mm-hmm. and kelsey always goes to her moscow mule yep um and of course when that goes it's just like oh shit if it's free it's moscow mule kelsey just poof, just going to town on that <laughs> shit and to make the matters even worse it wasn't just one bar there was like three to four different bars yeah they had different sections yeah and just like all right you guys are you guys are gonna fucking kill me like that's it like, I'm, I'm gonna die here that and the combination that there wasn't really food per se there was mm-hmm. one area mm-hmm. That they were kind of giving out hors d'oeuvres, but you had to be like at that particular spot bar area, yeah. Um, because they didn't really get a chance to really work the room because one, it was crowded, and two, there were so many people there that they were just eating up all the fucking food. Yeah, they take like two steps out of the kitchen, and then the tr- the one tray with like the six hors d'oeuvres were just gone within like a fucking two steps or some shit like that. Yeah. Um, so we Kelsey and I end up finding ourselves uh, hanging out with these two comedians. One is uh, one dude who's named Jeremy Long. Uh, he's a good stand-up comedian and a writer, and his writing partner, whose name I cannot remember for the life of me, uh-huh. um, who was smoking a lot of fucking weed. I felt <laughs> like he had a blunt after blunt after blunt, mm. uh, and Kelsey fucking partook. And I was like, oh <laughs> shit, she's really drunk now. That was probably the best sleep I've had. <laughs> Which is so funny because I think this morning or yesterday I saw an article that said mm-hmm. that there's a common perception that weed helps you sleep, but scientists are starting to think that that might not be true. But I'm like, really? That, that's pretty true after what I experienced on Thursday. I though. mean, not only that, because I would smoke weed to 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 go to sleep, to mm-hmm. necessarily stay asleep. Um so yeah, Kelsey and I, like I said, we were hanging out with these comedians. They were pretty funny. Um, well, the Jeremy Long cat, I was having a good time with. Uh, Kelsey, not so much with the other dude. He he got yeah like a level of what pretentiousness from him, right? Yeah, he was kind of not just pretentious, but I felt like he felt pretty jaded. Like he was just kind of full of himself, but also like didn't uh, 
he didn't, he had a skewed perspective, and I guess that might be commonplace for some comedians. Yeah, especially if like if you've been in the if you've been in the business for so long and like nothing's really coming out of it, or you're kind of like still kind of in the you know wherever status you're you don't want to be in, you want to be at a higher status. I think it might. I think his name might have been Michael Michael J Epstein, because um, he said he like put a movie together called Clickbait. Oh yeah, and that's that, and that's the name I'm seeing. But that's the thing. Like the picture I see of him, I'm just like that doesn't look like the dude. Because mm. the cause, no, uh, that's not him. Wait, Kelsey's normally better at like catching people's faces and like putting it together when she's mad. Yeah, him. that's not him. All right, so that's probably not him. No, that's, nah, that's not him. All right, so it's not Michael J. Epstein; it's someone else. Then, <laughs> good job. I know, all right. Um, yeah, we were. Oh, here's the one thing that was so fucking funny. That's I'm just remembering now. Here's the thing that was so fucking hilarious, because. Kelsey and I, we went to the, we went to this after party without eating anything. Like we ate on the way to the premiere, but oh, like I made burritos from the night before, which is really good. Yeah, but like after we're like fuck, we're like hungry, and I was actually considered like maybe we should just go to like Astro Burger, Burger and get yeah. something to eat, right? Like fuck this, right? But we were more curious about the after party. But like as we as the night gets longer and we're hanging out with these two comedians, we kept saying like. Fuck, we keep seeing food. Can we actually get, like, food food? Like, one of them had said, like, they have sliders here, but, like, they were for, like, certain people or some shit like that, Uh right? That reminds me of the time Mm -hmm. there was one slider left, Mm -hmm. and I didn't know other people were, like, pointing to it. I think I'd already drank quite a bit by that point. Mm -hmm. But I was, like, reaching, and I was like, oh, look, there's a slider. Do you want it? Because you were, like, hungry. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, oh. And I was like, oh, you were going to get that. And they're like... But then the lady was like, it only has a pickle oh, in it. Yeah. <laughs> it was a fucking pickle. Yeah, she had a, uh, she had, she was carrying the tray. Yeah, because we, we bumped into like a couple other people that we were just like, ch- we ch- uh, chatted up with for like a few seconds. Yeah, and trying to get a, there was a slider, but it was a fucking pickle. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Like, I like pickles, but what the fuck was that? Just one pickle. Just one pickle. Like, <laughs> is this a vegetarian slider? No, not even a pickle. It was a pickle, like coin like yeah a like a, a sad f- little floppy coin a phallic <laughs> coin <laughs> a phallic or you mean flaccid 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 i'm just <laughs> i'm just full i'm just full of wrong words tonight <laughs> it's good it makes it more entertaining um but like there was and i and and i i have a i have a distinct feeling that like since we we're in the corner kind of being like the loudest because we we're outside i have a distinct feeling that like the servers were trying to get rid of the food and mm-hmm. we were complaining so much about the food, they were just bringing us the food. Yeah. And at one point, this woman kept bringing, like, a, a different, like, she kept bringing a different tray for us to eat, but it wasn't sliders. It was just finger food. To the point where, like, not Jeremy Long, but the other dude was like, no, Jeremy Long was like, I fucking hate you. You keep coming back with this. Can you please bring us some fucking sliders? <laughs> but he was being, like, playful about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then... They brought sliders and holy shit, we just like and they were good. Yeah, we all just like knocked. This is like I know. I think we two. both we grabbed like two of them. I grabbed yeah, we all grabbed two, and there was like one left. And the dude, uh, not Jeremy, like the other dude, didn't want to eat it, and he was like, "Hey man, do you want it?" And I was gonna be like, "Fuck, oh, I'll, I'll eat it," but his friend got it instead. <laughs> um, oh, and then there was the one lady who came by with drinks, and she was gonna put them down on the table. 
or oh, something, yeah, and, they and they all fell and broke. I know. <laughs> and that 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 dude Jeremy Long was like, he was like, if you if you if you want to just blame it on me, please. Like I have no problem taking it. <laughs> She's like, no, no, no. <laughs> I would have. I would have been like, yeah, it's his fault. That that drunk ass comedian. <laughs> I know. He he bumped into me. Yeah. So with <laughs> his almost, long hair. I almost said jumped into me. <laughs> Freddy and slip there. I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, like all in all, like I think I think we took off like around twelve or one or something like that because they were. It was after twelve. Yeah, and we we took off and and head back, but it was like it was fun. Like and and like and and throughout the night, I just kept saying, "What the fuck was that? Like what what happened?" And the next day, the next day, you were like, "What the fuck? Did, why did they let us in there?" Like. <laughs> how i know what the fuck was that (laughs) like what happened (laughs) um but i uh, you know what and it's the thing that makes me happiest Mm -hmm. part of is chris gore Mm -hmm. like told you where he likes to drink oh yeah we're not gonna say where we're not gonna say where but yeah he was like because he was talking, like, yeah, like a couple of nights a week, I drink here. Like, yeah, you know? he, I drink at this particular bar. We're like, oh shit, we like we know the city, and we're like, which bar? He's like this one. And he's like, hit, he's like, hit me up, and then we'll like, we'll yeah, meet give him, him the his fucking business card, like, yeah, and and come to find out, like, we're like, because we're talking about like certain areas, because he, he's like, oh, where are you guys from? Blah, blah blah, and I'm like, oh, we're from like the Inland Empire. He goes, I know where that's at. Blah blah. blah. He's like describing the cities. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> he's like, my girlfriend lives in this city. Yeah, yeah, and we're like, holy shit. <laughs> All right, like you come up as a cool guy. Like I, like I said, I I've been following the dude for years, but I always got a sense of like him being kind of an asshole. But oh. I've been like really meeting him, talking to him, everything, and he's just like, yeah, like whenever you guys are in this city at this particular, like, hit me up, we'll go to this bar. So I'm like, all right, you and, said so. And I will say it's really to me kind of rare to find someone like that because mm. everyone in Hollywood's so fucking guarded. I think that's because and full of themselves. I think that's because, and we talked about it that night. It's because he's from he's not from here. He's from Detroit. Mm. So it's just like, all right, dude, you know, like this place, you know, this place is full of shit, you know, and you're not jaded by it. You're yeah, funny. like you're yeah. good, man. Um, he told me some funny stuff about G four too. He was yeah. just like. No, I don't want to say because he was just like, "Don't tell anybody this." <laughs> I was like, "All right, like, I, I don't, I don't doubt you." I don't. You doubt didn't, you. I didn't hear that because I think I was talking to his daughter. Oh, I'll tell. So I, you have to tell me. Yeah, later. I'll tell. You, it's 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 kind of small, but it's just like, oh, I can see that. That's totally understandable. <laughs> of Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. Vertigo, a feeling of dizziness, a swimming in the head. Figuratively, a state in which all things seem to be engulfed in a whirlpool of terror, as created by Alfred Hitchcock in the story that gives new meaning to the word suspense. There's someone inside me. She says I must die. Scotty, don't let me go. A beautiful girl haunted by the desperate, unexplainable urge to destroy herself. A man possessed by the paralyzing vertigo that made him afraid of high places. Easy now. I know, I know. Ah, I 
was a cinch. Yeah, I look up, I look down. I look up, I look... What was the strange attraction that brought these two together in spite of the dark forces that tore them apart? The specter from the past that drew her to the ancient headstone in the mission graveyard. The compulsion that drove her relentlessly to the point of no return. This film came out in 1958, and the synopsis is, a former San Francisco police detective juggles wrestling with his personal demons and becoming obsessed with the hauntingly beautiful woman as he uh, he has been hired to trail, who may be deeply disturbed. Directed by Alfred Hitchcock, written by Alec Koppel and Samuel A. Taylor. It stars James Stewart, Kim Novak, Barbara Bell Gates, and Tom Helmore. Um... So, 1958 Vertigo, uh, considered as one of the greatest films in cinema history, um, made by one of the greatest directors in film cinema history. Um, I had to stop myself from saying something about Hitchcock in the negative light, but this is a film podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is this isn't behind the bastards. <laughs> um, I I remember. I remember really liking this movie. Um, I don't know if it's my favorite Hitchcock film. Uh, but this one is definitely like up there uh, for like the performance and the directing and the story and everything. The visual is like really fucking cool to check out. Um, but, you know, my opinion doesn't matter. What matters more is what did Kelsey think about it? Trash. Trash? It's the right answer. <laughs> That'd be funny if you thought I was joking. I'm just kidding. I I'm am like, joking. Oh shit! <laughs> I love this movie. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. <laughs> uh, so what, what? What did you love about this movie? I do not know mm-hmm. what it is about Kim Novak. I think maybe it's like how she's able to be so like stoic and that that really cool gaze that she has all the oh, time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Maybe that's what it is, but like I'm kind of in love with her now. Really? Yeah. She she is fucking quite stunning in this movie. Like Hitchcock had a thing for uh, he had, he had a thing for blondes, but he had a thing of like getting the right blonde or the right actress for his role. Um, even though at the beginning he. At the beginning, he didn't like, like he like he thought Kim Novak was miscast um, for this part. But that's his thought as the movie shows it. Like she was perfect casting. Right. She was really great casting. Um, she was able to really play like this like disturbed character who might be possessed by a ghost. Like the the plot of it's like kind of wild, mm-hmm. but like that like it takes like this thing of like it's a murder. It's a like a like a possession story, and then transform into like this up this film about this guy obsessed with this woman. Mm-hmm. And I think, despite the age between Kim Novak and uh, Jimmy Stewart, the chemistry is really great. Mm-hmm. Like they are really able to like really like come together, and Jimmy Stewart kind of like just comes with this from this angle of like a person who has his shit. You know, other than the fact that he is suffering from, uh, it's not called vertical. It's called like acrophobia or something like that. No, he has fear of heights. Yeah, acrophobia yeah. is fear of wide spaces. 
uh, yeah, it's uh, the term. It oh, you know, it's called it's called acrophobia. Yeah, acrophobia. It, yeah, acrophobia. Oh, maybe I'm confusing it with agoraphobia. Oh, sp- that's the spaces, right? Yeah. Yeah, agoraphobia is with space because I have a little bit of that. Um, but yeah, how he has they don't think this really. Like I said, he's a really character who's put together. He's like this retired detective and stuff like that. And how he kind of slowly like starts becoming obsessed with the Kim Novak character, and just slowly like starts in a way just really losing his fucking mind mm-hmm. and shit like that. And how that's like that's shown in like obsession and like in control and uh, being control of too. Who seemed like a guy who was like very fun loving, very easygoing. Um, his homegirl Midge, uh, played by Barbara Barbara Bell. Gates, I think is how you say it. Mm-hmm. I think it's Gates, but Gates. Love her character, mm-hmm. like she, like even her herself is like beautiful as like in a great personality. I know that sounds like I'm saying like oh she's ugly, but she has a great personality. No, she's not ugly at all. No, no, she's not ugly at all. But like she has a she has a personality that's just like, like oh I totally would want to hang out with this woman. Mm-hmm. You know, even like she has like. Um, like a love for uh, Jimmy, the Jimmy Stewart character, but Jimmy Stewart is so stuck with like following uh, the Kim Novak character mm-hmm. to like a dangerous level. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the the performance in the Vertigo? So I don't think I had a problem with anybody. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'll, I guess I'll just go down the list. Mm-hmm. James Stewart. It's funny because he's like almost classically like of the 50s type actor. Mm -hmm. But usually if you think about that time, you kind of think of like how stiff they are and Mm -hmm. they almost have like that noir voice or whatever. Yeah. He doesn't really have it that much. I think like everything's kind of realistic in how he handles things and how he moves and how he thinks. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he really does a, a great job of, you know, showing surprise or worry and everything. Um, I think it's because those, those big blue eyes he has, like yeah. he's very expressive with those eyes. Yeah. Um, and then Kim Novak, obviously she's like stunning. Mm-hmm. It's so funny when she plays Judy, like there's such a disconnect between the, the two characters she plays where she's Madeline Elster and she's very regal almost Mm -hmm. and then judy barton is like she doesn't have blonde hair and she's very like a working girl like she's very like like i guess independent yeah and and very like loose very like i know what i want i know what i like and stuff like that yeah um but i like how she's able to play both of those characters Mm -hmm. um and then barbara bell geeds like It's weird because I kind of feel bad for that character and also for this actress because when you first introduced, when you start the film and you're first introduced to her, Mm -hmm. you almost think she's a love interest. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because she's like into like art and all this stuff. And the way she carries herself is very playful, but sure of herself and... Um, as time goes on, it's like she loses her, her confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't like it. Oh, okay. And I know I don't like it because I think that that character is worth more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like realistic to me. 
Oh, okay. I got you. Um, and then Tom Halmore, he wasn't in it very much, so. No, he was He was the friend. He yeah, I, the I friend. know who he was. Yeah. He was like. He was in it for like 10 minutes or something like yeah. that. Um, so one thing, one thing that I think, I think this, this movie does, um, really well is as we talked about in the power of the dog is the script like the story Mm -hmm. because like i said the story kind of starts off with like this mystery who you know this uh jimmy stewart following kim novak to find out like what's going on and then it turns into this weird kind of like supernatural element to it right she might be possessed by this ghost Mm -hmm. okay so it it turns so it's already turned from it's already turned into two different genres within the first like what fucking 30 40 minutes of the movie mm-hmm. and then and it quickly jumps into like a murder mystery mm-hmm. right and then that murder mystery it's like 15 like 10 minutes of like wait what like <laughs> wait wait this woman was dead and like you know uh and 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 uh uh judy barton was a, a part of it and everything and shit like that right mm-hmm. and then it leaves that and like it does it so swiftly that it doesn't take you out of the film. Like, well, what happened with the murder? No, no, no. You're, like, following these two people. Mm-hmm. You know? And now it's turned into a story of, like, obsession. And like I said, it turns into, like, four or five different genres within the span of the movie. And one thing I love is, like, I just love it how it could have it could have taken this cheap route of having this murder mystery. And it's like, nah. Like, we want to be something different mm-hmm. and everything like that. Um which I think it, it works really well. And then it turns into like what the last 30 seconds, it turns into a straight up tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> and I figured like, I was like, I think Kelsey's is going to like this because this, this is kind of her jam. Yep. <laughs> Can't nobody be happy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's on a fucking sad note. <laughs> like this woman he was in love with dies on him essentially twice yep dies on him twice right mm-hmm. i want to see a sequel of vertigo how fucked up that guy is after this. <laughs> um okay so i know this is not your first hitchcock film I, if i remember correctly your first is actually was actually psycho because mm-hmm. you and i went to go check it out yeah um what did you think of this one as like your second go at a hitchcock film like, I, as him as a as a director because you've essentially got an, an idea of his genre i like this one so much more more than Psycho? Yeah. Okay. And I enjoyed Psycho. Yeah, we had a blast watching Psycho. Mm-hmm. But this one was like, there's so much to mm. follow, to like kind of pick apart. Mm. Um, and and the misdirection is so good. Yeah. And like it, this, this film is actually like the first of like things that we would come to, to be used to now in cinema. Like, uh... The open title sequence was designed by Sal uh, Bass. This is actually the first movie that used computer graphics. Really? Yeah. 1958 uh, Vertical. Um, Did they even have computers back then? Yeah, but it was like those huge, like, I tower... thought those weren't even really invented till the 60s. No, they were invented early, yeah. Those, those huge tower things that had, like, fucking, like, those huge wheels and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Like, essentially, what like what my laptop runs on... It would take like two floors back in like 1958, in the 1950s or whatever. Well, that's true because, you know, right around the corner was uh, um, space travel. Yeah, yeah, see, there you go. So that's true. Computers. Computers! <laughs> <laughs> um, so, despite this movie being like, a, some, would see, like some would say the, one of the greatest films ever, the film was like lost for like three decades. Wow. Well, because this is at a time before VHS was created. Like, it would be on film. They show it. 
be in theaters, and then gone. Like that's it. Uh huh. You wouldn't. It, it it didn't come back until re-release until 1984, hmm. where. That's when we start getting VHSs. We start getting Betamax and stuff like that. Huh. So it's like, if you saw this movie, you would just tell people about it, Like, oh my God, this movie called Vertigo. This happened. And this no happened. one would ever be able to watch it. Yeah. And like, if you missed it, and if, that, if someone saw it and then told their friend who completely missed it, they'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, that, what? That's a thing? <laughs> how can that happen? You know, all that kind of shit. Which is like, it, it like blows my mind how certain things in film history get lost and get refound again and like this level of popular like blows the fuck up that mm-hmm. that isn't seeing like a critic actually critics would like trash this f- film when mm-hmm. it first came out not really realizing how great it how great it is i wonder why they trashed it uh i don't know like i haven't seen any reviews but it said it like the information i saw is that it was poorly received received by u.s critics um and now obviously now it's considered like a masterpiece Hmm. Um. So, the themes. There are there are a few themes in this movie, and I want to go through these themes with you and see what you think. So, obviously, one of the themes that we talked about is obsession. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so, uh, author Charles Barr, who wrote this book on Vertigo, uh, he states in his book this movie of this movie of a man who develops a romantic obsession with the image of an enigmatic woman has commonly been seen. But his colleagues, as well as by critics and biographers, as one that engaged Hitchcock in the especially profound way, and it has exerted a com- comparable fascination in, on many of its view- viewers. Um, he goes on to say, after seeing it as a teenager in 1958, Donald Spoto had gone back for 26 more viewings at the same time and wrote uh, in his book, The, the Art of Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock in 1976. Um, so, like... And in, in a 1996 uh, magazine article, Jeffrey O'Brien cites that uh, this has like a, this movie about obsession has an obsession of, of itself because people watch this movie over and over dissecting it, mm-hmm. get into like the psyche of the Jimmy Stewart character or in the psyche of the Kim Novak character. Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes it like meta <laughs> with That's the obsession true. stuff yeah. like that. Even like how um, it goes into another thing, which is like male aggression. Mm-hmm. Like how I said that Jimmy Stewart's character is very, he's a retired detective. He's went to a traumatic event. He seems to be really fun loving, very joyful to be around. And then by what the middle of the second act, he's like fucked up, you right. know, and he's like very controlling of, of the Kim Novak character to the point where he's like, you got to dress this way. Mm-hmm. You got to have blonde hair. I need you to look a certain way and stuff like that. Yep. Which kind of leads into like, some people are assholes. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, do you think he was being an asshole or do you think he was being, it was mental illness? I don't think it was mental illness. I think he was being an asshole and it was the male aggression because he like was controlling this woman. And then when he, and then near the end, he kind of like started waking up, Mm -hmm. you know, he started being like, what happened that night? You know, you were there and stuff like that. Like this person who is supposedly in love with this Madeline slash Judy character is now turning almost to this monster, forcing her upstairs to like, to like essentially relive something that she's trying to forget mm-hmm. and ended up causing her death. Right. You know, so I don't really think it was a mental illness. I think he was just, he was being a male, uh, it was male aggression being a fucking asshole. Okay. Why? What's your take? He was actually in a mental hospital for a bit. 
And I think mm. that he, st- you know how, have you ever been so stressed out that even though whatever was stressing you isn't really there anymore, mm-hmm. you have a hard time coming out of whatever numbness or whatever. Mm-hmm. I felt like he just had a really hard time coming out of the loss of this woman. Okay. And so he wasn't thinking straight. Like he couldn't, like he really had a problem. Yeah. I don't think that he was normally like that. Yeah, I would call true. it male aggression mm-hmm. if that was his MO, but I don't think it was. You think like he just like snapped like that, which mm-hmm. is it. Okay, I can see that. Still an asshole though. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can be an asshole and still snap. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not like throwing away your theory like no, that's bullshit. No, no, no. I I, I agree with it. Gotcha. Just let me just add a little bit of that a little bit of that whipped cream on top of that that pie. That shit pie? That shit pie that you just came up with. <laughs> <laughs> um so one more thing. <laughs> there was a critic. He wrote that a theory. He wrote a theory that everything that happened was actually like in the dude's head. Okay. So critic James F. Uh, Maxwell has suggested that vertigo is interpreted as um, as a variant uh, on the Umbrus uh, Pierce short story, an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. Uh, and the main narrative of the film is actually imagined by Scotty, who we see dangling from a building at the end of the opening rooftop chase. The uh, Jimmy Stewart character. That everything we're seeing is like, it is. I think that's bullshit. I don't like, I don't like that, those type of theories. That everything we see was in a split second. Because mm. it kind of like, it kind of goes like, why did I just watch this then? Sometimes, I guess. Mm-hmm. But a story is a story. That's true. But like it's sometimes it's like okay, I wasted my time. Yeah. I don't like that theory though. I'm just saying you yeah. can't like shoebox like mm. or shoehorn or whatever you want to call it. Mm. Um, the idea that something could be in someone's head as like low hanging fruit or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I'm getting. I'm not saying like something that happens in somebody's head that plays out. It's like bullshit. But like if it's like if it's telling us something and then it just so if it's like, it's used as, like you say, as a low hanging fruit, like mm-hmm. it's a cheap way out, you know. It, it also doesn't make sense that it's on his head. Yeah. Like, so he's dangling there and he's obsessing over a woman. I know, right? No. <laughs> maybe, maybe the woman he's he's obsessing over was uh, actually the image character, and he just like put it all together in his head or something. I don't know. I don't know why I'm giving fuel to this fucking theory. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, I think I, like, I think the movie still holds up. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, like, I, yeah, I, like I said, I, like, the reason why, one of the reasons why I know that for a fact is because like Kelsey and I had watched this like what on a Sunday, I think. Mm-hmm. And then like, I, it's, it's instantly was like, damn, I want to watch it again. And I ended up watching it again like, earlier today, like during my studies. I had a, I was just in a mad mood for like a Hitchcock marathon. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, like Criterion Collection has like a nice selection going on right now. And I watched Rear, Rear Window and then I watched Vertigo again. And still, I was just like, damn, I know I like Vertigo more than Rear Window. Something yeah. about like the visuals of like Vertigo is so good. It's so like great to watch plus like it's like it was an up res version like um and the the quality looks fucking amazing yeah absolutely amazing so what do you think do you think this movie still holds up yes yeah also i think it's really interesting that they we had they had 
two scenes where he was following her and all you see is him turning and turning and turning. Oh, yeah. There was some, check this out. There was something I, I pulled up that, like, apparently, like, his turns, that's geographically correct. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like, it does, like, you end up from where he started and turns and turns. Yeah. That's where you end up. Oh, okay. <laughs> <At> that apartment. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that's going to be it for our show for this week. Unless you have anything else to add? No. No. Uh, so we'd like to thank everybody for joining us for, on uh, this week's show. Especially thank the folks over at Your Entertainment Corner for hosting this podcast on their website. Uh, you can find all your film, TV news, and reviews at yourentertainmentcorner.com or Kelsey writes at... <clears throat> I know I'm like, Kelsey's like, yeah, I haven't written for a while, but like, I know you're going to jump back on that. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I did tra- talk to Judy not that long ago. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to read it because it's that, that review that you wrote out. I, I loved reading that review. It was for Under Gods or some shit. Yeah, I wrote two, actually. There was that one and then there was the Vigil. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, Which I really enjoyed writing the vigil. Mm-hmm. It's so much to say about that one. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you can find our episode there. You can find uh, you can find our podcast on that website, and you can find our podcast on all podcast catchers. We're everywhere. You know, you can just download the episode. You're good to go. Um, you folks should definitely join us for next week's show because we're going to be reviewing Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Uh, I had a chance to check it out. I did not take it because, like I said, I was in the middle of school and was doing a bunch of stuff. What I'm hearing, it's like Spiel- one of Spielberg's best movies. Oh. So, very interesting to check that out. Uh, that is coming out in theaters on December 10th on a Friday. Uh, you know, if your folks are going to check it out, please be safe. If not, don't worry about it, but we're going to go ahead and check it out. Uh, we're going to pair that up with 1961's West Side Story. Oh, I can't wait to show you this movie, Kelsey. Why? So problematic. <laughs> so problematic. More than Back to the Future? Yes. Hmm. Let's just say brown face. Ah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, 1961's West Side Story is available to rent on Amazon, Apple TV, YouTube TV, and other VOD services. Um, the topic for that episode will be gang wars through interpretive dance. That's the only way to do it. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. I've been in many a gang war. Really? Yes. Can you go into detail with your gang war? I can't. Mm-hmm. Because when you're part of a gang. Okay. Like, anytime you talk about it, mm-hmm. it's considered snitching. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's how you get stitches. So, like, I can't tell you about it. But you did. So, are you going to get stitches now? No, because I didn't mention anyone by name. <gasps> Why not? Because I don't want to die. <laughs> you're not going to die. You're just going to get stitches. D- then I could get sepsis and die. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>